former Rookie of the Year may be ready to make a comeback, and we'll look into the value of video scouting for fantasy players. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. I have not had uh, three cold brews yet. Got ahead of me on uh, my my caffeine question, so glad glad to know that there's been uh, some caffeination in your life. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy in 15 on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Tuesday, March 31st. Al Melchior here with Michael Beller. And Michael, I've got an episode planned pretty much just for you. <laughs> so Royal I've treatment. Got a, a, Thank you, Al. Yeah, yeah. Well, so DVR and I had a little conversation before we taped Monday's episode. And it, it, there's a topic I've been wanting to handle. And, and, you know, this time right now is really sort of the perfect time to do it. And the topic is using video to inform your fantasy baseball decision-making. And, um, you know, there are are people in our industry who are really at the forefront of this. Uh, I, you know, frequently cite Nick Pollock of Pitcher List as as somebody who I really look to for help in this area. Uh, He's done a lot of work. He's created something called the Real System, which creates typologies of pitchers according to their uh, their arsenals. And uh, I, I won't get into it in detail here. Hopefully, maybe on a future show, I can get into more detail. But you and I had a conversation, I think it was last week, about how you know you played baseball. And uh, so I know you played at the high school level. Did you play beyond that level? Um, I did not. I was uh, not to pat myself on the back too hard, but I was a pretty good uh, <laughs> high school player. I had um, a few conversations. Uh, we're talking at like the D3 level. Um, I had the opportunity to play at a few D3 schools. Uh, I knew I wasn't going anywhere beyond that. Um, that was uh, a good high school player. doesn't necessarily translate to anything past that, past maybe the D3 level of college ball. So I, I could have played there, but uh, I wanted to go to a big school. Baseball was ending for me after the college years anyways. So uh, that did not happen. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I've got, uh, I had some game back in my day. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So the, the reason I ask you that is so DVR, DVR and I had this conversation about, you know, using a system like Nick's or just, you know, somehow using video, taking this time during this layoff without sports, without baseball and actually digging into video. Uh, and DVR had the same response I have, which is, you know, we didn't play. Neither of us played baseball beyond Little League. And, uh, you know, he said, I'm not sure I would know what to look for. And I, I you know, whenever this topic comes up and I have a conversation with somebody in the industry, that's what I always say. It, you know, I'm sure there's some benefit to it. I'm not sure I know what to look for. But, you know, you played in high school. You had the opportunity to play at the college level. So I'm interested in your perspective on this in terms of using video, uh, you know, and, and, you know, watch the games, right? That's the mantra. Like, you got to watch the games. But, you know, I think I miss things when I watch the games. And I worry maybe sometimes I do rely too much on numbers. So from your perspective, how much of a benefit is there to watching video, to to scouting, to watching the games in a particular way? I think if you know what you're looking for, there's a, a lot of benefit to it. Uh, the, the main way that I use it uh, when I do use it is 
with established players um, and comparing what they've done previously to what they're doing now. And if you know what you're looking for, I don't think it's actually too hard, uh, whether you uh, played uh, to where I played, whether you played beyond it, whether you stopped playing baseball after Little League, even if you never even played in Little League and are just a baseball fan. If you know what you're looking for, I think that things are very spotable if you are comparing what a guy has done previously to what he's doing now, um, especially if that is in conjunction with a major change in his statistical profile. So that's really the main way that I use it. I'll look for a guy who has uh, had a surge, uh, whether it be a, a hitter or a pitcher, and then go back and, and look at what he used to do um, mechanically and how that compares against what he is doing uh, currently mechanically. I think the mechanics is really uh, the way, the best way to use video scouting to your advantage. So for a hitter, you're talking about how a guy's set up at the plate, how his uh, how his swing uh, has changed, uh, the the difference in a leg kick. Is he using a leg kick? Is he just uh, picking his foot up and putting it back down? Is he rocking back and forth a la Jim Edmonds? Um, the, the, the load sequence with his hands, um, is it something that uh, is a huge sort of backward C movement with his hands? Is it a little bit uh, more abbreviated uh, in the way that he gets his hands ready to go forward through the hitting zone? Those are the sorts of things that I think you want to look for and help you point to this is a substantive difference in what this hitter is doing, and that is why this statistical uh, surge that we are seeing is something that we can believe in. For a pitcher, um, it's got a lot to do, for me at least, with uh, the way they move their hands, the way that they uh, set up uh, in their wind-up versus their stretch. Uh, one that really jumps to mind for me a couple years ago is Danny Duffy, um, when he had that big year as a starter for the Royals, and this had come after a year in which he had had a lot of success as a reliever. And one thing we know that's a big difference between being a reliever and being a starter is that relievers are almost always going to pitch only out of the stretch, whether they're guys on base or not. Pitchers mostly are going to go into a full windup when there's no one on base and out of the stretch when there is someone on base. So Danny Duffy has the success that he had as a reliever, goes back into Kansas City's rotation. He had completely abandoned pitching out of the windup. He was pitching only out of the stretch. So that was a big one. That one is very obvious for anyone to see. And then the other big one for me is that he had abandoned going over his head with his hands. This is a guy who used to have a lot of moving parts in his entire setup, and he would go start with his uh, start set at the belt, come over his head with his hands, back down to the belt, separate, and go to home plate. Well, here, this was just a simple move where he came set at the belt and then went. And that is a major difference especially for a guy who we know had a lot of raw stuff and was never really able to put it together. That's a significant difference showing you that he is trying to simplify things. And that's just one example. Obviously, that's anecdotal. But it tells you the idea, I think, of what you can look for no matter what level of baseball you played at, what anyone can look for, can see, and then can use to their advantage. All right. Well, that's, you know, very cool, uh, you know, a couple of examples uh, and, you know, types of things that we can look for. When you do, you know, pick up on these changes uh, and let them inform your fantasy baseball decision making, how how does that mingle with the uh, data analysis? Because, you know, you said in conjunction with, you know, the data part, um, that's where it really helps you. Is it the kind of thing where you see a, a statistical change and you look for the mechanical change to sort of, you know, confirm or validate what you're seeing on paper, or is it the other way around, or, you know, can it play out in any number of ways? 
it it can play out in both for me this is specifically for me it can play out in both those ways typically it just makes more sense that you see like a whoa what what the hell's going on with this guy why is he suddenly so much better and then you go back and look for the for the mechanical change and you look for something that is substantive and foundational that can lead to why this is happening and i think it's why a lot of people in our world do um fade big statistical jumps to their detriment because I've talked about this without mentioning the video side of this. I've, I've mentioned this to you a bunch here that um, we always want to have in the fantasy world, we want to have some empirical data, right? We want to say that, you know, this guy has three years of doing this. So in year four, we can expect him to do it again. And that we end up missing a lot of guys who maybe had a strong half season or one good season and we tend to discount that because the track record isn't there. And we want to see it again another full year before we really believe in it. And while that does end up leading to a lot of good results, and I totally understand why people lean on that more than leaning on any other input that they take into their fantasy preparation, I do think that there's a little bit of a blind spot, uh, especially for someone who maybe had a year or two already at the major league level and then did go ahead and make a substantive change. And then it's really that one thing that ends up tweaking uh, their entire statistical profile. So for me, it is more the, the former, the first thing that you said in that I look for the statistical change first and then go and see if there is a mechanical foundational change uh, that is leading to that or that I can at least hypothesize that is leading to that. The other way works too. It just takes a whole lot more work uh, sometimes uh, when you're doing you know eight or nine podcasts a week spread across three different sports. You don't necessarily have the time to, to do that work, but it is definitely something uh, that can also be used. You just got to have the time for it. I always tell people to look for the statistical change and then hunt down a mechanical reason for it. That is a great way to find some hidden value in fantasy leagues. All right. Well, we do have the time now. We don't have the games, but maybe we can yes. go back and try to make sense of some trends from uh, 2019. Hydrant creates flavored electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes that your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc, which all help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by Oxford scientists to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no synthetic colors, no artificial sweeteners. The formula is vegan, and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off of your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code BASEBALL at checkout. That's drinkhydrant.com and enter the promo code BASEBALL for 25% off your first order. Let's get on to uh, a couple of news items here, uh, Michael. Uh, one involving Michael Fulmer, a uh, report from Chris McCoskey of the Detroit News that uh, Fulmer could be done with his uh, rehab and recovery from, uh, from Tommy John's surgery uh, sometime in July, be ready for a rehab stint at that point. So again, assuming that we have games again, uh, that's obviously a, a big uh, if here. But, uh, you know, if uh, there is baseball at that point, we could see Michael Fulmer back in the Tigers' rotation by early August. So, uh, again, we can't even speak to, you know, how much of the season that would even be for Michael Fulmer. But, um, you know, he's somebody that's on your radar for Fab, uh, you know, eventually down the line. Um, it, it would 
depend entirely upon where my team is at that point. We know what Fulmer is. Uh, first of all, great news, uh, right? I mean, we want it, we want every single player in every single sport to be healthy all the time. So great news that Fulmer is working his way back and that we could see him on a major league mound in August if there are baseball games being played in August. Uh, that's excellent. Uh, now just evaluating him as the player and the, the fantasy asset, um, you know, low strikeouts, bad team, Probably a bad bullpen coming in to finish games for him that he does leave with a lead. Not a lot of offense. Not a lot of great defense on that team either. Could have uh, some some weaknesses at the corner infield spots, and that's important for a guy who has the arsenal that Fulmer has. Um, It just doesn't add up to a whole lot of fantasy value. So I say that it will depend on what my team looks like because – you know, Al, there's always going to be some sort of value in a guy who is, you know, taking the ball every fifth day, who has had some success in his uh, career as Michael Fulmer has. There's always going to be some level of value in that player, but it is not to the overwhelming degree where no matter what your team looks like, you need to go get this guy. If you don't really feel that you need much help in your pitching staff, chances are Michael Fulmer in August isn't going to move the needle for you that much. Now, if you are scrounging and you need, I don't even think you need to necessarily be scrounging. If you just need some help at the, it's not like, oh, any, you know, anyone who can fog a mirror and throw a baseball is someone who I want on my team. I don't think you need to dig that deep for Michael Fulmer. He is a little bit better than that. But if you are looking for someone who uh, you think has the upside of, you know, a, a fantasy SP4, then I think Fulmer jumps onto your radar. If that is where you end up being in August, that's where he comes in for me. Otherwise, it's just going to be someone who uh, doesn't have enough of a, I don't even want to say ceiling because you're not necessarily looking for a ceiling with a guy like Michael Fulmer, but just doesn't move the needle enough, doesn't uh, register in the way that is going to really change your fantasy fortunes if you are doing fine in your pitcher uh, categories. Yeah, well, I just, you know, I just hope that there's nobody with a baseball card out there that says, can fog up a mirror and throw a baseball. <laughs> that's, that's not a good sign. So, uh, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, it just, yeah, and just a quick note here, another uh, injury recovery note, Byron Buxton, he had um, shoulder surgery, uh, I believe it was back in September, uh, and so he has been, or had been a bit behind in terms of entering uh, spring training, but, uh, you know, was potentially on track to be ready for the scheduled opening day, and just a note from Rocco Baldelli that he says that Buxton's rehab from that surgery could not have gone smoother so certainly an encouraging sign there uh, in regards to Byron Buxton. Uh, I, I think, you know, people probably, you know, no matter how good the news are, probably baking in some mixed time for uh, Buxton whenever uh, baseball comes back. But a uh, good, uh, good development there, uh, certainly for him. Uh, let's turn our attention to the out of the park giveaways. Our winner for uh, Monday was at 2008 WS Champs. So good thing it was a question that involved a Philly. <laughs> so the correct answer was Cole Hamels. A lot of people got that one right. Uh, last pitcher to throw a no hitter uh, against the Cubs. Mm-hmm. So you know he was uh, like the first one in some. I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was some insane, like should be impossible amount of time. I want to say, f- I think forty or no. Wait a second. What were we doing? Yeah, I, I think it was more years. than it, it, no, yeah, it was years. something. It was something crazy. Of, that no one had thrown a no-hitter against the Cubs. And there were some bad Cubs teams for a long time in that stretch. <laughs> yeah, uh, I th- believe Sandy Koufax was the prior one before Cole Hamels. So, yeah, it's uh, not, I, I wouldn't have known the pitcher, but that's the right era for sure. 
Yeah. Well, uh, uh, anyways, congratulations to uh, 2008 WS champs. Uh, our question today, as always, send your responses to me via DM on Twitter at Al Melchior BB, A-L-M-E-L-C-H-I-O-R-B-B. Today's question, I think this one's going to be a little, little tougher maybe. We'll see. Which Hall of Fame pitcher had a DNA, DNA test done to determine if he was related to John Kennedy? Did you know this one? <laughs> I did not. Yeah, this, this, no, this did is, he just read, like? Did he have a reason to believe he was related to JFK, or did he just like want to know? He yeah, he did have a reason. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm not. I don't want to give away any more, but okay. I, I will okay. say I read about this a year or two ago. <laughs> it's stuck in my mind. Um, so I think on on Wednesday's show I can go into more detail. But uh, again, the question is, which Hall of Fame pitcher had a DNA test done to determine if he was related to John Kennedy? Uh, good luck. DM your responses to me at uh, AlMelchiorBB on Twitter. And then let's uh, wrap up here with our featured read. This is a fun one. And of course, we all need you know some fun things to read uh, right now to uh, you know sort of divert ourselves and from what's going on. Uh, the Athletics Top 100 Sports Movies, uh, compiled by the Athletics staff. So, of course, i got to ask you, Michael, what's your favorite uh, sports movie all, of all time? My favorite sports movie is a baseball movie. It's not just because this is a baseball show that I am saying this one. It's Major League. I, I just love that movie. <laughs> I, I could watch that movie again and again and again. So many quotable lines, so many uh, funny uh, lines, so many funny characters. Uh, I just absolutely Love that movie, and it had a pretty good uh, finish in the uh, in the overall standings in the top 100 that we did. Uh, yeah, tenth. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, a fair ranking for sure. It's my number one, number ten with all the great sports movies there have been uh, over the years. I'm not going to complain about that. I just absolutely love that movie. And for sports, for baseball realism, I know it's a kids movie, but Little Big League <laughs> got very real. When huh. it came to the baseball that was played in that movie, you got a ton of real players in it. Randy Johnson has like a, a few lines in it, even Pudge Rodriguez, Ken Griffey Jr. You had a lot, Mickey Tettleton. Uh, you had a lot of pl- real players who were in that movie, and they had a bunch of real life minor leaguers in non speaking roles, but just in baseball roles. And the you, the, I mean, it feels real when you're watching some of the baseball scenes play out. So that's another one that uh, is highly rated on my list because of that fact. Oh, very cool. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely it's top five, maybe top three for me. Uh, but I think my number one is probably Sugar, uh, which also made the top one hundred uh, for the Athletic. Actually, number twenty two. It's just it's it's a movie that really I don't know, really packs a punch. Uh, again, you know, feels very realistic, uh, and it's just one I think about all the time. So um, yeah, if you haven't watched Sugar, definitely check that out. That is my favorite. So uh, on that note, we're going to wrap things up here for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, just keep in mind that we are doing a three-month free trial right now. And also you can get a 40% discount off a subscription just by going to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15. And everything that we do, podcasts, columns, all of it is part of the subscription. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and review, We would, as always, greatly appreciate it if you took the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be back here on Wednesday.